Welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Graphic Novels Review Editor for Publishers Weekly, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. You can check us out on Twitter at at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online at, on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on Facebook or at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. Okay, this week on More to Come, Abe Reisman uh, over at Vulture and Comics for Kids. Uh, we're going to take a look at uh, PW's manga feature by Deb Aoki. Marvel Woes Continue. Wonder Woman Day 2. Uh, we're going to give a little pre preview of the ALA convention uh, in Chicago and, and the, the rise of graphic novels there. And we're going to uh, – we've got a real treat for you this week, the comic of the week. And it's going to be Boundless by the fabulous Jillian Tamaki. And in the brief. So uh, Abe Reisman's uh, really thoughtful kind of look at how we got to now, a look at – how comic uh, kids graphic novels have kind of taken the industry by storm. Yeah, and I mean it really is just like a a really well written, yes. uh, thoroughly resourced, and you know pull quote heavy version of everything we've been talking about on this podcast for the last three or four years. <laughs> yes. So, so Heidi, what does it say? <coughs> well, well, didn't you read it, Kate? Well, <laughs> Heidi, maybe our <laughs> listeners did not. Well, I'll tell you one thing about it uh, that I like about the thing is that he personalizes it because he talks about kind of uh wanting to introduce his uh his young sister who's like i think 10 years old to comics he was kind of the comics reader in the family and he's got a kid coming along so i have a similar story so i was completely charmed by this anyway he, he takes her into uh a store and he's like you know hey i'm gonna knock her socks off by showing her <laughs> some really cool comics by Raina telgemeier so he brings in the store he pops a book over to her and she couldn't be more bored not because of the comic, but because she's read all eight of the books that Raina has done already. Been there, done that. Yeah, well, I mean, we've talked about this many times. I mean, basically the article is just going on about how, I don't want to say the superhero comics are um, in decline, but, you know, the bestsellers are, are not necessarily new superhero comics at this point, I mean, whether it's on BookScan or PW's own list. Yeah. Or uh, on Di even on Diamond's chart, I would say that there's beginning to be a little bit more diversity there. But, um, you know, I mean, kids' comics yeah. are definitely the fastest growing genre. I mean, we've been Absolutely. saying this here for, until we're blue in the face, for like the last four or five years. Reina's absolutely the bellwether there. But, uh, you know, the piece talks about a lot of other books like C.C. Bell's El Defo mm -hmm. and Roller yes. Girl by... and. Uh, the work of the Baby Mouse team, Baby Virgin, Mouse, yeah, you yeah, know, she, the Holmes yeah. uh, and uh, Matt, Jenny and Matthew Holm. And yeah. um, I mean, there's so yeah. many other things that are, I mean, TCAF, there was, uh, you know, for a second has really yes, yes, been yes. a trailblazer <clears throat> with what they're doing uh, in kids' comics. They it's talk Scholast with David Saylor yeah, and Scholastic. Scholastic. And, and, oh, go on. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, he really, I mean, once again, he really talks about the things we've been talking about here for like, as long as this podcast has yeah. been going on. Uh, it really, in in my view of the ways that the book trade has opened the category up, most of the readers are in the book trade, and you've got to deliver people 
a broader range of topics, but also it's time we we understood that the you know young readers uh, create the audience that, right. that will be reading your books in the future. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things I really liked about it is that um, it definitely, I mean, <laughs> it definitely talks about some of the most important things that you know I've pinpointed over the years, like the 2002 kind of graphic novel breakthrough at American Library Association, which yes. we'll be talking oh, yes. about today, yes, you know, absolutely. this year's, which is kicking off. Yeah, the Yalsa, also, how uh, Bone coffee, yeah. was a huge oh, yes, uh, good, battering good. ram Very important. throughout. I mean, it really was a trailblazer. Very important. And and uh, but it, I think and, it's just a really good kind of bell, benchmarky kind of story. Yeah. So if people want to say, "Well, I don't know, what about kids' comics?" You could just say, "Why don't you read this piece?" Uh, no, absolutely. And and he, and, you know, he really comes around though to really kind of throwing a spotlight on Raina Telgemeier. And I have my own Raina story to match his, and it's just that I had about two or three years ago. I have a my um, my cousin's daughter, about eleven years old. She's adorable. She loves me, but she never texts me. Somehow or other, she found out I knew Raina Telgemeier. <laughs> and just before SBX, about two or three years ago, I get a text from her. She never texts me saying, do you really know Raina Telgemeier? <laughs> so I have to meet her. I want to get book. I need her books. I want to get them to autographs. We have to go. She came to SBX. I introduced her. Uh, I had given her the books already because I had them. But we bought everything else in sight that had, you know, we had brought T-shirts she went back after I introduced her and bought more books. So, um, yeah, I can uh, I can attest to what what Abe went through there. Yeah, and uh, I I I mean certainly this is you know a huge growth story. I mean I have been hearing that maybe it's cooled off just a tiny bit, but I mean I think that's just to be natural when things have been growing as fast as kids comics yeah. have for for quite a while. And I think things will settle down, find their natural level, and then we'll see more more growth. Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't seen anything like that. I mean, it's going to come. There's always going to be, uh, you know, a, a tipping point of some kind. Uh, I'm waiting to see it, but um, we'll see. Yeah. And uh, now this article, which was, uh, again, ran on Vulture, New York uh, mm-hmm. Magazine's kind of culture website, uh, was matched by PW, which happened to have an amazing article by Deb Aoki uh, that was uh, had a really catchy title, which was, not, what was it, Nine Things? It was Nine Reasons Manga Publishers Can Smile in 2017 yes that's a great and it was a great organizing principle uh and she just went down the list of all the reasons why you know since about so uh, what are they oh we're gonna go right over them but i just want to you know preview it there's all the reasons why manga is roaring back uh, that there's strong sales across print digital is growing much slower but it's still growing and we'll go through the reasons uh reason number one more access to streaming and anime and she goes over how um you know uh, at one point the uh, anime on um, on the TV pro- on TV networks kind of drove sales. That disappeared, uh, but now thanks to streaming services like Crunchyroll, um, uh, what's it? Funimation Channel, Hulu, Netflix, and now High Dive, which just oh right, as you of, that. as of today, uh, the twenty first of June. Um, it was yesterday that it opened. Uh, I was there the very first day, logged on <laughs> when they had all their little beta problems. <laughs> Um, because they had a property I cared a lot about, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. More on that later, listeners. Yeah. And so, like, clearly this market is is growing to the point where somebody was willing to go in on an entirely new one to add to this growing bounty of places to stream anime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, it, anime drives manga sales. Yeah. It always has, and uh, now there are new outlets 
for uh, American otaku to get their fix. Right. Uh, reason number two, simultaneous Japanese and English publication. Absolutely. That's been key. Uh, um, uh, manga fans in the U.S., they want to read what Japanese fans are reading, and they want to read it at the same time. Yeah, because the fact is that, uh, thanks to the internet, um, we're no longer in a vacuum. Yes. Like, the Japanese fans know the American fans. The American fans know the Japanese fans. And Japanese fans go... Like like that annoying Game of Thrones fan who read the books are like, ha ha, we know what happened, ha ha, do you want to be spoiled, Americans? So of course the Americans like are no longer willing to wait six months to find out what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't. I mean, you have yeah. to practice defensive viewing now at this point, you know, and, defensive and it, reading. And now they can. Yes. And the Japanese Legally. licensors finally realize it. Uh, piracy and scanlations uh, were having a big effect. Uh, until really they start to realize they've got to offer fans an economical and easy way to get yeah. manga digitally. I mean, because people quickly. wanted to pay for it. It was, you know, the shut yeah. up and take my money problem. Yeah. And so they finally figured out a way to take their money. Bingo. Good. So, of course, uh, she highlighted Weekly Shonen Jump from Viz, um, uh, which is a, a, a weekly digital publication in English and Japanese that will simultaneously published in Japan and, and, in, in, the, and in North America. Crunchyroll Manga, which streams manga sub- subscriptions. Uh, Yen Press and Kadansha are also doing the same thing, um, delivering their manga simultaneously in, in uh, English and Jap- Japan. And, of course, digital comics also. So, uh, reason three. Digital first publishing. Uh, it's allowing publishers to kind of introduce series, longer series, older series, uh, new artists, you know, without the risk of print. Yeah. Finding out what works and what doesn't work and then, you know, working it. Uh, and and she highlights uh, Kadancha Advanced Media, which, you know, which uh, does a digital distribution for Kadancha. Uh, reason four, live action TV and film adaptations. This is sort of just beginning... But even something like Ghost in the Shell, though the movie was problematic, uh, it generated a new edition of the uh, the book from uh, Kadancha. And um, there's a um, film version of Battle Angel Alita coming out um, uh, in uh, summer 2018, uh, directed by James Cameron. Uh, Viz has put together, uh, no, what, excuse me. Uh, excuse me. Kadancha and Comixology are offering a digital access to a new translation of the manga. And then there's also uh, there's a Death Note um, series coming uh, on Netflix, and Viz is also putting together a to die for Death Note all in one an edition, uh, really spectacular. Well, actually, I think that might hardcover be, edition. I think that might be the um, English language edition of a very similar one that came out in Japanese that I've seen around at um, Kinokuniya. This massive Death Note brick. Yeah, it's 12 volumes. Yeah. Suppose, yeah. Uh, yes, so no doubt we're, we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Uh, reason five, romance manga aimed at teens and adults. Um, let's see. Uh, um, can, can we go back to the live action? Excuse Just for me? a second. Can we go back to the live action for a second? We have to? Yes, <laughs> because there's a whole extra dimension to that. That's, yeah, sure. That's we're leaving out is that it's not just the originally English language mm-hmm. um, live action adaptations. It's that um, Americans have stopped uh, being reluctant to uh, watch quote unquote J dramas. That is to say, live mm-hmm. action television from Japan. Um, the popularity, as witness Crunchyroll, as witness 
Vikey, as witness drama fever are starting to get interested in live action television from Japan and there are a heck of a lot of adaptations of manga properties and I think that's driving demand too and they're more accessible than ever now. Good point. Uh, Yeah, I mean a lot of these reasons are sort of um, offshoots of the general explosion of streaming content but I mean obviously, you know, the more there is, the more there is. You know, a a rising tide lifts all boats and, um, you know, manga has certainly... Uh, benefited from all of these things as you're, you know, you're going down the list. So what's yeah. the next one on the list? Uh, reason six, LGBTQ manga. Um, yes. Not only uh, sort of yaoi, uh, boys love manga, but uh, yuri, more yuri, uh, the, the girl manga. And um, let's see, uh, they, she talks a little bit about Seven Seas, and in particular, they talk about my, my lesbian experience with loneliness, which we were talking about uh, quite a bit mm-hmm. in TCAS. Yeah. It's really good. Yes, it, this has really been huge. So, quirky show. depressing, but very yeah. good. Quirky shoujo and quirky. And memoir comics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yes. A lot of. Um, it's, so, it's not just the quote unquote fan service comics that are coming out but it is things like my lesbian experience with loneliness yes. or my brother's husband right. which are uh, which uh, you know, my lesbian experience with loneliness or originally ran on uh, i forget the name of it but it's a japanese web comics portal i mean it's kind of like um uh you know webtoon or uh, maybe even more like tapas uh, or hiveworks is here but i mean uh-huh. it, it or originally ran online it was a huge hit online and uh then in print in japan and then brought here so yeah what well, after hours and sweet blue flowers this is a, a series that yeah, uh, those are big much ones. talked about. Uh, okay, reason seven, backless. Um, uh, in fact, she she points out Rosa Versailles. Uh, yeah, it's coming <laughs> at some eventually. Point. <laughs> eventually, please, please uh, bring it out, please. Reason eight, uh, light novels. U.S. fans want light novels, uh, and for those of you who don't know, light novels are serialized prose novels, generally based on manga series. Uh, and... um, but actually, that label can be applied to um, a lot of things. Like, for example, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, which is basically just not incredibly long science fiction novels that were originally science fiction novels are still branded light novels because they're not giant bricks. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, from what I understand, the the term is only can be loosely applied across a mm, lot of different yeah. kinds of, of books. So I, I sort of use the generic uh, um, definition of it. But you're right. Um, but they're they're growing. Uh, you know, Yen Press here is really publishing a lot of them. They have an imprint devoted to them. I think um, um, Vertical is as well. Uh, Vertical is do- does a few, absolutely, and so uh, Viz is doing a few. Um, but 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 they, they uh, vary widely. Yen Press is really pushing it. Mm. So the Yen Press style ones and the Viz style ones can be they can all be very different because mm-hmm. it's just think about the word paperbacks, yeah. and that'll give you some idea. Yes, but basically, it means, um, yeah, shorter novels from Japan. They're coming here, and they have many <laughs> manga based on that. Yes. <laughs> and the last reason, reason nine, um, the giant Japanese media con- you know, uh, company, Kadokawa, is expanding its North American presence. Um, you know, obviously, they've also they've taken a stake, a 51% stake in Yen Press, uh, which is unusual in and of itself. Uh, they have an ebook retailing site um, um, book walker mm-hmm. uh, that's that's offering uh, manga light novels all of them in, in English so they're really stepping up uh, they really feel like they can sell more Japanese pop culture uh, material uh, to a world audience so there you have it 
um, uh, nine reasons why manga publishers can smile in 2017. It's in uh, this week's, uh, the June 19th issue, but and I, it's online. And I think what really is uh, really comes across in all these reasons, and it's just as Deb says in her intro, you know, when Borders went out of business, the manga took a huge ding. And uh, just before that, I mean, the, you know, Naruto used to be on, on um Cartoon Network. I mean, there was a lot of manga that was on TV, and that was definitely dri- driving a lot of sales. So these two things, like ending at the same time, definitely made it look like manga was was way down, and it was. It but, was. But it's been a very strong comeback. Yes. And I mean, it's very clear that the 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 interest in this material is still there. Uh, you know, distribution may have flagged, but the interest and in readers is still there, and well, new ways and new forms. Of distribution. Well, it's, yeah, it's not just that; it's that. The manga market we had in the United States back then was actually quite different than it is now. Absolutely. Right now, it has a wider variety of genres and a wider variety of audiences now. I mean, like, that was a distribution method and um, a focus on content that was aimed at a young audience. Mm-hmm. And now, now that it's come back, it's aimed at a wider variety of audiences. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so I think that's a much more sustainable and, model. And I think that a lot of readers, I think a lot of U.S. readers are are more amenable to crossing over to manga also. I mean, I think a lot of people who read Image Comics and even superhero, you know, Marvel and DC, Big Two Comics are, are open to manga. And, you know, it's not like they're going and they're reading, like, everything that comes out. But there are certainly titles. I mean, if, if it's something that sounds like it, it interests them, they go read it. Well, I and think I, it's because titles that would interest right. them are now coming Absolutely. out here. Yes. And, and just one more item. I mean, uh, we published another article probably about six months ago by Bridget Alverson. Yes. Uh, that there's a new generation of best-selling manga. Yes, that's, that's the other f- thing. Huge, we, huge. We, we, the, the, the whole industry was driven by Naruto and, you know, and others. Uh, at a certain time, and people were Very saying, even then, jump. were saying, well, you know, what, what are the next, you know, who, the next blockbusters? Well, they're here, Attack, Attack on Titan, uh, Tokyo Ghoul, and others like that. So, yeah. New generation of, of, of manga bestsellers for a new generation of manga readers. Yep. Now, does Marvel have readers? <laughs> What's going well, on at Marvel? Uh, you know, uh, I, I are they think, gaining readers? Well, are they losing readers? At, if you look What's at what's going on at, at um, you know, I I think it's no no coincidence that both those articles came out this week, and uh, certainly, you know, I wrote something on the beat today that kind of tied it all together in a unified field theory. But uh, there's just been a lot of things that Marvel and DC are doing that are. Uh, you know, Marvel is, is definitely hasn't pulled out of its nosedive yet, I think. I mean, they announced their legacy line that's supposed to tie everything together. Like, they're going to do, first they're going to team everyone up, and then they're going to have a new legacy line. And then, like, Mar- uh, Spider-Man's going to go back to its original numbering, and, and that'll bring in new readers. The and then thing. there was some kind of announcement know. about something... And something like going back to the beginning, one million years BC, and I was yeah. like, "What are they going to be like meeting Homo erectuses? Yeah. Like, what is this?" And I, I mean, the other thing is like they they haven't like on the legacy. The, there's a whole bunch of one shots, and the teams on them are pretty much who you'd expect. There's a lot of Brian, exactly Michael the Bendis. same people. There's a lot of Dan Slott. I mean, there's some Jason Aaron. I mean, there's some Kelly Thompson. That's kind of cool. And, uh, it's just more of the same old, same old, and I, I just don't know that. Uh, I don't know how they're gonna pull out. And well, you know, but the, 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 then there was the, the, but the thing that kind of got, um, yeah, Kate. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that 
none of it's sounding actively bad. It's just that all of it's kind of murky. Right. You're just cloaking all of it in a language of everything's going to be different. Everything's going to be amazing. And something, something, a million years BC. Well, I you'll think, love it. I It'll be classic. The nut, the nut graph of my piece was just that. Um, you know, it's a real warning sign that everybody should be very mindful of that at a time when both Marvel and DC's characters are better known than they've ever been via massive saturation in film and on television, mm-hmm. uh, the comics sales have barely increased. Well, and I mean, so, so, but so to wit, to wit, like Marvel, you know, Marvel uh, just can never win. So they released a they new trailer win. for Black Black Panther a few weeks ago. Uh, I think it was about which yeah, is two, awesome, which was amazing. <laughs> let's and, just get and that let in me right tell now. You like Twitter went nuts. You know, blurred really good. Twitter. Like, I mean, if only you could harness the energy from from that, uh, you'd never need coal again. But um, and black Twitter, let me tell you. Well, that's what I'm saying. Nutty. Bl- you know, blurred. That's what I mean by blurred blurred Twitter. You know, black nerd Twitter just went nuts. Black Twitter went nuts. Comics Twitter. Anyway, then on Sunday night. Uh, Roxanne Gay, the esteemed uh, essayist, uh, let it slip in a tweet. I guess, you know, Sunday night's about as much you can bury the news as you can, except on a Friday afternoon, that uh, the world of Wakanda, the book that she had been writing, had been canceled. So this was like a lot of people uh, were like, how, with all the excitement of this, can you cancel that book? Now, now I, the optics are horrible, but I think there was a lot more reasons for the book being canceled, right, Calvin? Calvin? It's not a very... I mean, I didn't like it. I mean, look, uh, you know, look, I, I thought it was uh, poorly written, and this is... I mean, Roxane Gay is a fabulous she writer. Is. She's absolutely uh, brilliant. Uh, a, a, a novelist, a short story writer, as well as her essays. Uh, I mean, I I don't know what to make of the book, and I thought it was really the art was v- extremely poor. Well, but you know, there uh, can I mean, be I, so the package was I thought it was a mess. Well, you know, there can be you can be a good creator and write a bad book. It happens yeah. sometimes. Yeah. It's a bad match. Yeah, but, but I thought the settings and the ideas of it mm-hmm. were fascinating. Yes. I wanted a good book, but I, I'm not sure that they delivered one. But they also they, they also canceled like with only two issues out the other book that Tanahisi Coates was writing, which I'm now I'm forgetting the which, title. Which uh, what the what's the uh, Black Panther? Black Panther and crew. It was like Panther Core yeah, and, and crew. Yeah. Now as Brian, I, I didn't now, I hadn't as, read it right now as Brian Hibbs pointed out in his uh, his piece on Marvel that went viral that came about a couple months ago um he noted in his store a lot of people backed up that okay the one black panther book came out people loved it sales were uh, uh huge coming with a movie it's a great one two tandem so what does marvel do they immediately launched two other books and <laughs> and that not only do those two books fail to thrive <clears throat> but they actually bring down the sales of the first successful book which is something that martin's not just black panther Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. But uh, anyway, Marvel is vastly oversaturated yeah. the market with uh, books. And you know, Kevin, you mentioned the bad art. And I mean, this is the thing. Like, Marvel is not paying for top-notch artists anymore. I mean, I don't mean to put anybody down. Yeah, but, me um, neither. You but... know, guess what? These books are not setting the world on fire from an artistic standpoint. So, um, uh, you know, yeah. I think there's just... there's uh, I, I don't think that... You could write an article that was called uh, Nine Reasons That Marvel Can Smile in 2017. <laughs> I mean, you could, but I, I mean, you know, more mo, mo money, more problems there. Yeah. yeah, I think Marvel has done any number of insensitive things, but this isn't one of them. It just was an unfortunate mm-hmm. visual. Um, Marvel really does need to consolidate their titles a bit. They've right. got 
way too many books with the same people in them. Right. And so I mean, this was a smart move and bad timing. And the retailers have been saying this for a long time. Right. And the word on the street is that when they come back from this Legacy Generations event, whatever it is, that their, will, their line will be um, trimmed a bit yeah. so that it won't be spread so thin. I just wish they did a better job of explaining and marketing what the hell Legacy and Generations are. I feel like Marvel, maybe well, part of Marvel's problem well, they have- is they're getting lazy well, well isn't legacy supposed to be they're teaming up the 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 new ones with the old guys again and but although they haven't said what they're going to do a, a, after that and then there's a whole another one like that well, was just it's, announced it's well, something you, something I, one I, million I, years bc something i'm not something. good at it well you this, know i want to say that maybe this was a little uh tongue-in-cheek or something oh yeah you know what i missed that i was away from the house when all this avengers from a million years ago uh, but their 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 the first press release about Marvel Legacy was um, I'm trying to find the the title because it really had some really bizarre stuff in there. Um, you know, I I I can't find it. But anyway, the press release was written in this kind of tongue in cheek style that kind of fell flat. I thought so. Anyway, there's there's um yeah, but Marvel's far from found its way out of this. Well, now yeah. they could, you know, it's Marvel. They could just pull out of this nosedive. Well, of course they could. It, that's not the problem. The problem is that I feel like they're taking their readers for granted, and they're continuing to take their readers for granted. Now they're just saying like, "Oh, we'll make it better by this comic," instead of like saying why this comic is good and you should buy it. Like I, as both someone who does comics podcast and just a reader of comics, am reading those little things that are supposed to get you interested in upcoming comics, and I'm like, I have no idea what this book is about. <laughs> I don't know. You're not telling me why I want to read this book. It could be good. It could be bad. I have no idea. I'm not going to buy it until I know. Yeah, uh, definitely. Oh, here we go. You know what? Marvel Legacy is the, going to be the the flagship book by uh, Jason Aaron and Esad Ribic, which is actually a really great team. team. I don't mean to say, but... Uh, they said that it will, uh, it's a starting gun to a bevy of mysteries and secrets and revelations that reverberate across the Marvel Universe in the weeks and months to come. No character, no franchise will be untouched. And then Axel Alonso said, this is the very best jumping on point in the history of comics. This is just a big pile of nothing. It tells you nothing. It's a big nothing burger. Yeah. Big nothing burger. <laughs> well, there you well, go. Well, anyway, but that said, Marvel is far from the only... Uh, company that's having a few little woes. Now, uh, uh, you guys, I finally... DC has at least improved vastly in the last year. Yeah, yeah, but you know something? Well, okay. They're not perfect, but they've improved. uh, Have they improved? They have. Rebirth was a good move. People are liking Rebirth. I mean, that's all I know. People are liking it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but have you looked at the actual sales charts? I have not looked at the actual sales (laughs) charts in the last two months. I have previous to that. Um, But I, I will say that I think, at the very least, they are going in a strong direction. They are improving the quality of their titles. Things are a lot tighter. There are less, fewer books, not none, fewer books than I'm like, but why then, does this book exist? But then they announced all of this Dark Knight Metal stuff with the yeah, seven bad Batman. That? It's some kind of weird miniseries where like eight different people get to write their version of evil Batman. Now, I don't know why anyone would want that, I but, either, but it, it seems like a harmless but stupid alternate universe <laughs> yeah. crossover Well, thing. I, listen, I, I would I would say that definitely, I you know, DC did a good job with Rebirth, and uh, but I would also caution that when you really sit down and look at the sales bans, like what, how many books are selling over what level, um, 
I mean, it's not anything to, you know, it's not up. It's not up from hmm. like it should be with, I mean, with like I said, with like 10, what is it? Like five hours of, of DC programming on every week advertising these characters on television, yeah. you know? Um, they're, but they're, I, they're is this getting a question better. of long-running series that j- just dropping off over time? It's just standard attrition. But, uh, yeah. but you know, well, listen, the Rebirth books, nothing has been canceled. I mean, they are continuing with this. So that's important. But then this everything that's coming out with the dark this dark metal thing just sounds um, a little it's uninteresting. Dumb. And they did that. <laughs> thanks, Kate. And then they did this, <laughs> the, you know, that initiative whose name I've already forgotten that they announced back at C2E2 where they were trying to bring in new characters and, you know, the diverse lineup that had no diversity in it whatsoever. And, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, remember that? Remember that? And we're still that. waiting to hear, though. We are still waiting for this new... Um, what is it? YA or teen or kids right. line? Well, they are launching have some they new. Lived? They they haven't given any details. No more information has come out that about that. Is coming. But there, you guys are forgetting the bad old days of a year and a half ago, pre rebirth. I, I agree. Believe but, me, I, where, where they were like literally the website I, that is has DC's done something stupid today. Like never went longer than two weeks without something yeah. new and stupid. No, they've I, I, stopped I, shooting themselves in the foot quite as much, no. and that's a good sign. I I I would agree with that. Uh, in general, yes, absolutely. They're- but I would also say that the moves that they've made since then um, uh, seem a little more iffy to me because they definitely have stumbled a little bit. Now, but, I, you know, and listen, it's easy to do. And one of the big stumbles... Now, okay, so I finally saw Wonder Woman and... Okay, uh, that's not a stumble. No, that's not a stumble. <laughs> but this movie is definitely saved the summer. Yeah, how, it's not only, It's not only the hottest movie of the summer. I mean, it's Guardians doing of the Galaxy very well made more money, but it's a new franchise, which has got everybody jumping for joy. Um, it's absolutely saved the DC cinematic universe. I mean, it has legs. Know, it's not slacking it's at got, all in no, sales. It's like the drop off every week is has been smaller than other superhero movies. Um, uh, it's the biggest movie ever directed by a female director. Um, and everyone uh, at Warner Brothers cannot stand up fast enough to say how they love Wonder Woman, how they were integral and make every It's not a movie, a it's mil- a movement. Yes, it's a movement. <laughs> and I mean, people are talking about what little girls and you know, little yes. kids are inspired by Wonder Woman. So it's totally become a phenomenon. Now, look, I love this movie, but we should also remember it ain't perfect. However, it's got, it was perfectly cast. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, Gail Godot, Gada, Godot. Godot. I mean, she's just fabulous in this movie. Yeah, and really, incredible. every minute she's on the screen is a delight. Absolutely. Now, there are times when she's not on the screen. Yeah. And, and, and they're kind of lame. But yeah. but it doesn't need to be a perfect movie to be a good no, movie. No, it doesn't. It, You're no. absolutely right. No, not at all. And I mean, and the uh, ending, we won't talk about. Well, uh, wait a minute. Hold on. Why does everyone hate the ending? Because it's very hateable. It goes Why? on. It, it's the problem that every big superhero movie have, and it has it in that ending. It just does. Well, no, it's, but it's no, not... I, I just, I, okay, I 100% disagree with this. Okay. Because I agree that maybe the CGI suddenly came on a little strong, okay? And it wasn't the best CGI in the world. However, from the very first scene, you set out that, the, okay, spoilers, everyone, so turn it off. Very first scene, you set up that the Amazons were created to fight Ares, the god of war. Now, are you going to have the whole movie and Wonder Woman never faces Ares? That's not the, the problem. problem. That's not I'm the not, problem. Well, That's then, never the problem. Then hold on. Then, I, then what is the problem? The problem is that crack- these things, they go on way too long. They never end. And it's just a big fireworks display. The, and every movie has them. It's it, like enough already. Well, it was, I it was a... 
it was okay. To be fair, I didn't hate it more than I hated other ones and other no, movies. No, I agree. But it I was, agree. It's, I agree. So with how it. should it stupid. have ended? It, well, what I'm saying is the fight should have just been shorter. Shorter. Okay. The fight okay. should have been shorter. Okay, but you know what? Listen, I think again, maybe the fight was a little too long. However. One of the reasons it was because it had to play out all the themes. You know, you had the sacrifice of Steve Trevor. You had Wonder Woman meeting up with Dr. Poison. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the sparing the life of Dr. Poison, which to me was one of the absolute key yes, that was moments yeah, that yeah. in the whole That's movie. Fine. We're and not also, arguing with that. And also all of the language between... Uh, all the dialogue between Diana and Ares was completely about the theme of the movie, that how she good. believed in, in the goodness of humanity, and she was going to fight for the goodness of humanity, whereas Ares and was actually, playing I even like the, the design of Ares, the yeah. art direction so, of his... So, I like I, that. so when you guys are saying that you hated the ending, I just don't understand okay, that. Okay, let's because... clarify. It was the execution. Yes. The concept yes. Okay, was fine. The execution yes. was... Like, the whole movie, up till this point, had been beautiful and crisp. easy to follow. It was crisp, too. But... And it went back to sort of murky, jerky cam, hard to watch, really long, punch people in the head forever. And it was a letdown stylistically. And it was just... it was. So how would you have staged the fight? Okay. One, I would have lit it better. Two, I would have made it more visually interesting and shorter. Um, it was, it's, as I said, it was the execution, not the concept. My okay. point is that this is, there's a fireworks display at the end of every superhero movie. All I'm saying is, really, fellas, can we do something? But can we have a battle that isn't just like the whole world blowing up and then everyone afterwards, everyone like goes back to, I, I just think that it's a failure of imagination. Well, I'll tell you this. To I, have to go I, through this in every well, single I, okay, superhero movie. I think I understand like a lot of people, like so many people have said this, but when I went and saw the film, I had absolutely no problem with the ending except the CGI wasn't that great. Okay. I'll be honest. It was even the ending of a, uh, Batman v Superman looked looked better than this, okay? But Zack Snyder, you know, all right, guess what? Zack Snyder might be a man, but he's a better action director than Patty Jenkins. Hey, well, but but, uh, but um, I mean, with, a lot of but, the action in this movie was great, right? I, I but here's what I'm saying: it was that last action. It was scene. you can't set up a movie where you have Wonder Woman, who is essentially learning her goddess-like powers, where her main antagonist is a god, and have them have a little punch. You know, you're going to have godlike powers on display. There's no way they couldn't end that's, the movie with like a display problem. of yes. Well, but but I don't again, understand how you, how it could have been done. I think we can all disagree about this. Yeah, uh, and, and move on. But uh, you know, and, and I'm not really sure that Heidi does really disagrees with us. I've heard you talk about the endings of some of these. Absolutely, movies, but I didn't feel and that. This one, isn't much but, different. But, but you know something. I dis uh, like in Guardians of the Galaxy, for instance. I've very the first one. No, the first one. I have criticized okay, that one. ending because although uh, the more I watch, the more I see what they're going for. But you know, here you have this bunch of lows, loser ragtag thieves, and then all of a sudden, at the end of that movie, yes, the entire universe has to be blown up. Or at the end of uh, Captain America. Uh, the Winter Soldier, which is up until the last scene, absolutely one of my best movies, uh, my favorite Marvel movies. And then, oh, now the helicopter. Guess what? There's a rift. And, you know, why couldn't you know everything else in there was so good? So I get I absolutely get this criticism. However, in the case of Wonder Woman, I feel you had to have God. They were set up the first scene as God. Well, I don't have a problem. They've with all that. got godlike powers. <laughs> it's like in every movie. I mean, look, what, what are you going to do? Like I said. 
Overall, this was a really enjoyable movie. It saved the uh, the buns of, of DC. Uh, a new star has been born. Uh, the scenes on World War I Battlefield are some of the best I've seen in any superhero mo- it, movie ever. And it's the best DC movie that I've yeah. seen in many, in many years. In this entire run of the DCU, this whole universe we've got going now this is the best one this and, is the best dc movie since batman begins yeah and, and gail godot will get a much better payday in the next yeah. movie yeah. Gal Gadot. <laughs> well now uh now the one thing so okay so but and we've established and now every other movie studio is dying to make their own female-led yeah. action picture but yeah. uh but so what did the dc do as a follow-up in the comic well uh uh they went and first they had shay fontana who does the dc superhero girls do a brief run following greg rucka's departure and then they announced that james Robinson would be watching it, oh, right. and the initial storyline would be about the secret of Wonder Woman's brother. So, which baffled and, me. Which, which is like, you know what? You just made. Hey, you just went to Disneyland. You know, you just made this movie about uh, a female hero that was told from the female perspective and totally shifted the whole narrative. I what know. are you going to do? Well, you, let's talk about the man in her life. I don't yeah. get it because I didn't even know she had a brother. I thought she had a Bro, sister. This is new. This is, this is new. It's a long lost yes. secret. But didn't she have a long lost sister? Let's hear about the sister. No. No, because <laughs> clearly boys are better. Um, it's, I'm not offended. I'm just sort of confused. Like, why would you choose that storyline now? Right, exactly. And I mean, you, you know, I mean, DC is not stupid in that. Uh, DC superhero girls are a huge, huge, huge success for them. I mean, oh, another sign. And, uh, but I do feel there's probably some people, uh, you know, I hate to go back to when I worked at DC because that was 20 years ago. So, uh, can corporate uh, attitudes survive 20 years? Uh, sometimes, uh, but anyway, when I was at DC and I worked on kids comics, uh, then I got an assignment doing an adult comic. Somebody said to me, now you get to do real comics. And so yeah. uh, there might be a little bit. I mean, yeah. I hope there's it none of that. Sounds attitude. like it. Yeah. I hope there's none of that attitude there still. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, I think part of it is that you never know how good it can be until you see, you actually see it done well feministly. Like, for example, like now that people have had this movie, now they take turn a look at, at like upcoming storylines like Wonder Woman's brother and go, hey, wait a minute. What do I need that for? Um. For example... <laughs> the possibly theoretically written by Joss Whedon script that people are now trashing as like it was night- written by him, Kate. I have a copy of it at home. That's absolutely the script by Joss Whedon. If it wasn't, we would know. Hmm. Okay, I was just thinking that it might be a Joss Whedon impersonator since it's never been um, confirmed. Well, that's because there's a secret legal reason that it couldn't be out there. But anyway, but anyway, but well, that, that's good to know. But I was here, folks. That's good to know. But um. The people are talking about it as a sexist nightmare, and now when you read it in comparison with the movie we actually got, it seems like it. But if you look at it and think about it from the perspective of, I never saw that movie, and I only saw the Wonder Woman stuff that was out there, um, what makes you realize how unintentionally sexist it is is seeing something that wasn't sexist. That's right. I mean, that, that this is, I, I mean, this is really... You know, I mean, I understand Joss Whedon's getting reevaluated, and that's fine. You I know, was... but it's but it's uh, like this script has been floating around since it was written. Okay, I mean, it's not like these things go into a vault. And it wasn't until the Wonder Woman movie came out that you know it's like a sexist nightmare. I mean, no, it's not a sexist nightmare. But it, you know, a sexist nightmare is is but, any other number of movies. Well, yeah, but I think uh, as I, said, I think it's in comparison. Yes, I absolutely. think it's when people look at that and say we could have had that instead of this. 
oh wait, we can have this. Yeah, but also that in retrospect, but it was people the, are happy. But it was about a it. first draft, okay? It that is true. First draft I mean, they had draft, a it had um, a Discovery Channel reference, despite it being set in World War II. Right, right. So clearly, it needed more edits. Right. Um, but. You know, I mean, it doesn't make Joss Whedon a terrible person. It just makes you grateful for what you actually got. Right. And now, listen, I, I, I you know, one of the other points that I brought up in my uh, column uh, this morning, which was about BookScan, because somebody uh, leaked me the BookScan numbers. So uh, and the, because of the top five, the top five BookScan numbers for last week were uh, the second volume of Bitch Planet by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Valentine DeLeandro or DeLandro, pardon me. Uh, and then number two was uh, my lesbian experience with loneliness. And then number three and number four was the two Greg Ruka uh, Wonder Woman volumes. The, you know, the, the lies one with the art by um, Liam Sharp. And then mm-hmm. the, the Nicola Scott kind of origin of Wonder Woman. And then number five was March volume one. And, you know, I think just when you look, listen to everything we've been talking about for the last 40 minutes is summed up in that. You yeah. know what? The old order doth change, and uh, you know, like like manga took off after Japanese publishers had to lose their resistance to digital day yeah. and date. Mm-hmm. They had to lose their resistance to online streaming. Mm-hmm. Had to lose their. I mean, this was a fight every step of the way. And guess what? While they fought it, sales weren't strong. They f- failed to grow. Yeah, and they also fought their idea of what Americans will read. Right, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that happened while uh, um, Japanese publishers were trying to get their act together uh, to give up digital rights was that piracy soared, which, in other words, there was never a shortage of readers uh, of manga. There was just a shortage of people having to buy manga. Mm -hmm. And there was a shortage of people being able to buy the manga they wanted. Yes, absolutely. That's why they went online. <laughs> right. But I mean, get it. But I mean, to go back <laughs> to my to my original uh, alarmist statement, I mean, why is it that we've never seen so much, uh, we've never seen so much attention for the Marvel and DC characters, but the periodicals are not growing up in a commensurate. Now, I will say, uh, as I study this all the time, obviously, the Walking Dead TV show has had a huge impact on the sales of Walking Dead graphic novels. Um, the success of the Deadpool movie has had a pretty uh, nice bump for Deadpool graphic novels. Uh, I will say that uh, ever since Logan came out earlier this year, the old man Logan is always on the bestseller list of both Bookscan and on Amazon. Uh, I mean, now Wonder Woman is doing very well. Uh, for you know, I well, mean, there's a really direct. Uh, collaboration you know, Guardians of the Galaxy some of their stuff is doing well though it's harder to find in comics form and you know what it's been overdone and a lot of the comics they've done based on it haven't been well, well my you argument easily connect- you need a, a, an easily connectable property with the right film. and it not only does it need to be easily connectable it has to give you something recognizable that you'd want even it has to be the same but it has to be recognizable like for example they failed to take advantage of the hit of Captain America Winter Soldier with the ongoing because instead of launching Falcon as a big name character himself they were just like oh well he'll be the new Captain America for a little while right and like they could have had two strong books they could have had a huge Falcon book and a huge Captain America book but they didn't do it because they they made it too different right um like they uh you know they didn't take full advantage of the Batman movies when they came out because they were messing around with Batman temporarily being dead at the time. Like, you you, you know ahead of time you're going to have this movie. Why do you... 
mess with your formula right before the movie. Well, it happens over and over and over again. Look at the, a Supergirl. When the TV show launched, there wasn't even a Supergirl ongoing title. Yeah, I mean, that's but, always been a problem. But I mean, I would see. Industry. I would argue that aside from one or two, like the Walking Dead comic, continues to do mm-hmm. well. But I think it's because Robert Kirkman is incredibly involved Which in it. Sold really well even before they absolutely. The TV it show. was one of the yeah. top image books. But uh, I mean, I would just you know, I mean, we are not seeing. The period, the comics periodical, uh, as I said in my article, uh, this might be the periodical is going the way of the LP. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 movies don't generate sales for the periodicals. They generate sales for books. And it's got, but in the comics industry, they always have a problem identifying a book with a particular script or with a particular film. So there's, you can't see a movie and go into a store and say, I want that book. But don't you think an even bigger problem is the fact that there is so much uh, competition from everything? And also... Yes, no, I mean, it doesn't hurt manga. But I mean, it said, but but you can binge it, is what I'm trying to say. It's like, you know, the size of entertainment now is a binge. You know, people watch Netflix and all that. I mean, it's like... Yeah, but I know people get what they want. I mean, mean, manga fans, they, they look at anime and they go buy the manga. I mean, there's no problem. Yeah, yeah but well, the I mean, manga, but I'm putting out the manga are, are 180 to 200 page oh, you know, graphic okay. novels. Yeah, they're not buy pamphlets. They're not 20 page pamphlets. Well, yeah, because, well, it's not just that. It's where you buy it. People who are not going to comic book stores do not go into comic book stores for a specific product. They don't do it because it's a whole extra thing. They don't even know where it is. People who like a comic, like a comic based movie. Go maybe buy something in Barnes and Noble. You, they're only gonna buy. It's only gonna turn people onto graphic novels. It's not gonna turn them onto the floppies. The floppy audience is what it is. Yeah, they're um, not gonna go to the stores for it. It's just not gonna happen. I mean, that's been. I mean, I I remember being lectured by Tom Spurgeon about how this is years ago, and I wrote a piece about the the connections and. And he was, oh, it never happens. It doesn't. That doesn't do it. You know. You know. There's no correlation. Well, David Gabriel told me that like yeah. 15 years ago. But yeah. guess what? A lot of things have changed well, in 15 but years. It, I agree. It drives graphic novels. I mean, yeah. when you have a decent on-point graphic novel yes. that's relatively recent or identifiable, like the Rebirth Wonder Woman stuff, that's already in graphic novel and in the stores, people will buy it. It does drive sales. Yeah. But the floppies. Yeah, but so anyway, but you know, my whole point is, and then Calvin, you and I had a conversation with a comics publishing executive at BEA where mm-hmm. we bought up this, and you know, he, I'm not going to say who it was, but you know, he kind of hedged his bets a little bit too. I mean, I think that people are, uh, you know, the comics periodical is definitely going the way of the LP. It's a very specialized format for very special oh, audiences. And I mean, the what I'm basically trying to say here in all of this is that, yeah, and Kate, Kate, you know, you and I did our standalone podcast about the periodical, uh, but that was like three or four years ago, About too. paper floppy, not yeah. just periodical. Yeah, but that's what, that's what I'm calling the periodicals, the paper, the, you know, the floppy, the pamphlet, the comic book, the periodical, whatever you want to call it. But I think the digital periodical is not going anywhere, but I do think the paper floppy may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I mean, I do think it's um, in its twilight, but I mean, I'm I'm reluctant to predict that it's going to go yeah. anywhere. Oh, I didn't, there, I, are, there are I real economic reasons away. for why it exists. Uh, it's good in some ways for keeping an artist's name in front of people. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, the people who want it really want it. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's a good you know, kind of pre-ordering or preview system for book collections right. in many ways. Um, 
you know, uh, as as a comics publisher told me many years ago, well, it's kind of a ghetto, but you know what? It's a lucrative ghetto. Yeah, but Calvin, he told you that many years ago. It was many years ago. See, that's what I'm trying to point it was out. Many years. I mean, ago. look, I've been predicting the the death of the the pamphlet for 20 years. Okay, so you know, I, know. I mean, and I haven't been right for 20 years, and I'm probably <laughs> not right now. I'm just saying, I think that. This is a real paradigm shift. Like it, the, the disruption has absolutely happened, and uh, I'm not sure that Marvel and DC, in particular, are responding to it in a. I mean, they're trying to respond, but I, I'm not sure they're they're all that nimble in how they're responding to it. And yeah, well, I mean, I well, think I don't disagree with you. I don't think yeah, they're doing a good job yeah, of it. And but I think they're in a they're in a terrible fix. They're trapped. Well, I <laughs> this is what they do. Well, I don't I don't know it's a fix and I don't know that they're trapped. I think that the floppy can now take a back seat to the graphic novel, which doesn't mean the floppy's gonna go away. But they just need to recognize that it's the back seat. I agree. Yeah, but, but, but they yeah, don't but, like to do that. Kate, they sort of do it. I thought yeah. Dan DiDio and and Lee last year at San Diego were impressive in how they brought out the book format. Yes, that is true. And talked well, about they it. Well, were, they were aware. They're not stupid. Yeah. They know what they know what's selling. They see these numbers. You know, Kate, as our resident millennial, uh, let me ask you about your peers. I mean, are they still into periodicals? It depends. Uh, more are into graph. Let's put it this way. There was a growth in friends I had who were reading comics. But those new comics readers, not going to comic book stores after the first, like, novelty. Ooh, I went to a comic book store. The hardcore comic book people are going to comic book stores just like they always did. But the, the old pe- men, yes. <laughs> well, they're, they're not old men, but they're they're hardcore comics people. They're the same age, but they're specifically like identify as comics readers. Fair Whereas enough. a lot of people I know who don't identify as a comics reader, but are just like people who are geeks are buying graphic novels, but they're buying them online or they're buying them at Barnes and Noble, and you know, comic book stores are just not a thing they do regularly. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, we're going to see. You know what? We should really let's revisit this because we should move yeah. on. But obviously, we need to do a podcast that's called the Future of Comics. Yeah, we should absolutely do, that. do that. We should absolutely in do the that. future. At some point uh, in the future, whether the future of this podcast will be something well, called we, the future. We of should comics. call it the Future of Comics in 2017 yes. because then we can yes. do the future of comics yeah. again yes. and, and and actually what we can do now we can segue into a revolutionary channel for um, distributing books and literature that is um, changing everything around absolutely us. this is revolutionary um, and uh, revolutionary. it's really cutting edge yes um, it's called the library yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as we speak or tomorrow um, I believe the, the American Library Association annual convention will open in Chicago uh, in many ways, like Book Expo, I don't think I've ever seen so much comics there content. There is a huge, like it, a huge. There's, um, a, you know, the the French comics. They are sending a yes, huge the French Comics Association of, of top, yeah, level, amazing, award winning. I, I wish I could go. I'm bummed. I, I, I would have liked yeah, to go myself. Yeah. Uh, next year, Calvin. Next they're, year. They're bringing over seven artists: uh, uh, Guy Delisle. Margaret Abouye, who does the fabulous Aya um, series, uh, Penelope Bajou, uh, Jeremy Royer, David Etienne, uh, Stefano Tricconi. I mean, it's uh, really, they're going to be there. Uh, Gene Yang, the, this isn't the French comics thing, but he's going to be there. Uh, Gene Yang has actually, I, actually, I think the French Comics Association actually invited him to give the keynote to their, because they're holding about three days of all kinds of programming during ALA. But I mean, 
where do I begin? I mean, like I said, three days of, of comics programming um, of all kinds. Yeah. Um, and like graphic memoirs. And there's... there's uh, I'm sorry, go on, Calvin. Oh, yeah. uh, the Rise of Graphic Novel for Kids in Europe. Um, uh, you know, how to Write for Children and Adults in Graphic Novels. Um, uh, the Universal Language of, co- of Comics, Culture and Creation Beyond America. I yeah, mean, and, and let me tell you, at, so at, at, at BEA, at BookCon, I was talking to publishers, and they were all really excited for ALA. Uh, you know, they, I mean, ONI is having a big presence there. You know, DC is doing a, two panels, to their credit. Yes. They're doing a panel about Young Animal, and they're doing a panel about their uh, their other books. Um uh, the one publisher who I didn't see represented is Marvel, but, you know, guess what? Well, this is what we're talking about. But, yeah, you know, this is absolutely another another brick in the wall here. Like, libraries are an absolutely huge proponent of graphic novels. They're a huge force of, of where the growth is coming from, just getting to readers and, um, you know, ignore it at your peril, Marvel. I mean, I know you'd love to be there, but... Um, and you can go read Heidi's feature on graphic novels and library at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Yes. And published not too long ago, so it's still fresh. Well, anyway, there's more to come on all these topics. Oh, a- absolutely. Uh, but, but, I mean, listen, the, the avalanche has come. Yes. I mean, oh, we're well. looking at a different landscape now, and I, I'm not sure... And as, people just need to catch up. They just need to really, you know... Yeah. Admit it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is an exciting time in comics because it's never been uh, uh, um, more kinds of material available to more readers. In more channels. Yes. It's, it's awesome. Um, and on that note, briefs. No. No. And on <laughs> that, that note, back. our book of the week. Oh, the book of the week. I almost forgot. The book of the week. Uh, and we're going to do this, I think, every show. Now we're going to pick a book out or maybe two uh, just to throw a little love at well Jillian Tamaki uh, has a new book of short stories out Boundless Uh, I can't tell you I can't barely describe how um, talented uh, inventive thoughtful these works are I mean I I can't imagine well we've talked a lot I mean obviously (laughs) her uh, collaboration with her cousin Mariko on uh, you know this one summer which is uh, you know an award winning classic Uh, revealed just what a brilliant cartoonist she was just from, you know, a drawing standpoint. Uh, her Super Music Magic Academy yes. revealed what a trenchant and poignant uh, observer of the human heart that she was. And uh, But with Boundless, she's put it all together. I mean, she, to me, is... She is right up there. She is on the short list of, certainly in the English language, of the greatest cartoonists working right yeah, now. Yeah, uh, yeah, without a doubt. Well, she's one of the people you talk about. If you want to talk about who are the best people mm-hmm. working right now, uh, she has to be in the conversation. Right, absolutely. And absolutely. she may be the one. Uh, I mean, this book has, the, the short stories, her approach to the material is so various. I mean, we talk about the, the, the seamlessness of drawing and writing in comics. She shifts her drawing style so wonderfully and recreates herself for every story. Uh, I, I love how she's able to take issues uh, uh, in the general culture as well as issues specific to women, weave them and create yes. narrative fiction out of it that isn't over, uh, you know, that isn't didactic. No. It's it's perplexing. It's curious. It's it's thought-provoking. Um she is a literary master. Yeah, and, yeah. and I mean, you you nailed it there. I mean, there's certainly you know the evocative nature of great short fiction of all the great writers of short fiction, uh, you know, in prose. But but uh, you know, somebody compared it to Black Mirror. 
And I think that might be the best, actually, like the most apt comparison because, like, like you know, one of the most uh, claim stories in here is uh, one called Sex Coven. Yes. It was originally published as part of Frontier, the great uh, anthology mm. published uh, by Youth of Decline, Ryan Sands. And, you know, every volume is so great. But Sex Coven is, uh, it's it's about a a file on the internet of this album that people are obsessed with and 20 years that goes on the history of this file and how people interact with it but what it also means what it talks about you know how we interact with culture how we yeah. how you know we associate music with our emotions um you know it's 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 deep this 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 stuff yes, this ish is. is deep yeah no she she captures these things that are in the culture just like you're saying you know uh, cults you know uh you know political stuff even you know, the beauty even bed bugs bed bugs yeah. i mean she manages to turn them into like powerful ways to examine the culture and how we interact with each other yeah it's uh, it's yeah. it's and her good. drawing is to die for yeah yeah, and she's part of, I would say, a generation of really great female creators, which, Heidi, let's segue to um, a small but wonderful thing that came out recently, uh, the Manning Award nominees thing. Well, oh, yeah. yeah, the Manning yeah. Award is, is one that's given for artists uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, the most promising newcomer. And uh, this year, uh, they there were f- uh, there's five nominees, and four of them were women. And uh, I'm I'm looking for their names because I uh, don't. I've got have some any. of them here. Yeah. Um, uh, Raphael uh, Delator. Or well, he's a man. He's, he's a man. man. Oh, okay. It's okay. Right. My, my, yes, my Ra- bad. Raphael is my a, bad. Is a, the token boy. Oh, my a bad. Token man. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rihanna Dorsey. Yes. yes okay. Uh, artist for Cloud Riders right. uh, from Hashtag Comics. That's right. Here uh, we go. Uh, yes. Um, Mindy Lee. Mindy Lee, yes. Uh, she is the artist on uh, Bounty, which comes out for Dark Horse. And then Leela Lells, who's on Alters, a rather controversial book, but no one has talked about her uh, artwork. And then Anne uh, Zabla, who does Bird Boy, which uh, it's a webcomic that uh, is published by Dark Horse. Uh, you know, listen, you could almost have thrown, I have to be honest, you could almost have thrown a dart, you know, at Tumblr. Uh, or deviant art and found like you know five amazing artists i mean i think these guys are all good uh i i i'm not i don't mean to put them down because uh, i think they're all amazing cartoonists but i mean there's just so much there's so many talent. right now but but specifically something you brought up in your own post on the subject is that it's not a surprise and it's not a coincidence that four out of five are women no absolutely no, not. not but uh, but yeah. this goes back to what i was saying about um about the book scan, you know, look at those top five books, you know, and this is not an anomaly. This is what it is, you know, this is what it is. So anyway, uh, so, um, but, you know, speaking about, uh, anyway, we love Jillian Foggy. We love Boundless. We sure do. And we love what Calvin <laughs> is doing right now, which you can't see. But fidget spinners. Fidget spinner. So, well, that's about it. Boy, we had a lot to talk about. So uh, this was the longs. And, uh, <laughs> but all of this, there will definitely be. More to come.